Lord, we bless you this morning. We don't want just those words to be from our lips and our tongues, but God, we, we mean them. We, we would not be anything without you. You first went to the altar so that we may come to you through that altar. And so God, we wanna come before you this morning offering ourselves, offering our hearts back to you again. God, we so desire to be people who are known by your name. We so desire to be a people who don't just huddle together and sing really well. We desire to be a people who act on your behalf. And Father, we know that as those are our desires and those are your desires that you would want us to be, I know, God, that there are so many things that hinder us from getting there. I know that there's so many things, Lord, this morning that are weighing heavy on our minds and our hearts that prevent us from coming to you in ways that you want. And God, not that you put a guilt trip on us, but God, I know that you keep wooing us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that your work would continue in a way that we would not even imagine. Father, I pray that in the mysterious ways, as your word says, God, that you would be drawing our hearts closer and closer to you. Father, I pray against the things that seek to take that away. I pray against lies. I pray against deceit. I pray against the enemy who wishes to accuse us of things that are not real. I pray against the things that really seek to misalign us when it comes to seeing you and hearing you fully. And so God, this morning, I pray that this stage, this voice, this time is offered to you and you only. By the blood of Jesus, I pray that you would cover this place, cover our ears, cover our hearts, open new highways into our being so that we may hear you and see you possibly for the first time in a while. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would have so much energy that your power would flow from this place that God not by not by my words not by our singing but God it is by your power that we walk out of this place charged as people of God Father I know that there are people hurting and I know that there are people who are lonely I know there are people for whom some of these songs that we've sung they've struck a chord and so God I pray again in your mysterious ways that you would meet those needs God even without us even knowing some of those things holy spirit I pray that you would allow your presence to be felt in a new and reassuring way I pray God that you the comforter would issue a new level of comfort to people knowing that you got them. So as we open up your word this morning, I pray, Father, that you would allow us to hear and see your heart. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a calling on your life. 
there's a calling on your life. There's a calling on us as a church, but there's a calling on each and every one of you in our lives. Many of you are sitting there, shaking your heads, you know this, but I want this to sink in. Whether you're 8, 18, or 80, or anywhere in between, or over that, or under that, if you're under that, you should be downstairs at children's worship. But if you're here, regardless, there is a calling on your life. We don't just sing about it because it sounds cool. We don't sing about it because it's just one of those things that we have to do and we're at the mercy of the lyricist who wrote the song. But it's found in scripture that you and I have a calling to our lives. And the question is, will we answer that calling? Will we answer that calling? We've been in Isaiah chapter 55 and one of the things I was struggling with, not struggling, but wrestling with God about how to bring this message about. It's really exciting to see how since November, God has placed this word in our hearts and several of our hearts. And as we came together to think about it and to look at it, God was confirming over and over and over again that this was the passage that he wanted us to start off with. And as he did, he started to open certain things to our minds and our hearts to say, hey, this is what I actually want from our people. And so we're, we're, we're on this journey of obeying what God is actually trying to say. And as I was wrestling with this this week to try to say, okay, God, what is it that you actually want to say? And, and sometimes, and you know, I, I have issue with this, but I, when I gather up all the information and stuff like that, you, you sort of take and choose. You're like, this is so good. I want to say this, or this is so good. This would be amazing to say. This would be really funny. This would be awesome. This would get their attention. Nah, this one, not so much. And you start to wrestle with this thing, and you're thinking, what do I say? And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, the one message is this, be a Christian. And I just couldn't see that message, and I drive down Church Street from, uh, from Taunton all the way down, and I pass by this church all the time. It's the Pickering Village United Church, and they're usually home to some of the cheesiest church signs out there, right? If you've ever driven by, um, they've been known to produce great hits like, it's hot out here, so we're prayer conditioned inside, you know, things like that and whatnot. And I'm driving by, and I'm praying to God, and I'm like, God, what, what, is, what do you really want to say? And lo and behold, there's this sign, and I'm reading this, and I thought, I don't get this sign. And here's what it said. It said, the best vitamin for a Christian is B1. So I drove by, and I was like, is that a typo? Like, what is that? Like, was the guy, like, you know, was he not having a good day when he did that? Like, did he miss some letters? What is that? I didn't get that. I drove by again, and there it was. And I'm like, makes up this stuff. It's like, this is like dad jokes for church signs, right? Like, what's going on? And the third time I drove by and I was asking God, again, like I, I, was, I was saying, God, okay, I've got all this stuff. There's so much good stuff here. What, what is it? And I drove by and it finally hit me and I almost hit someone, but it was like, oh, that's what they mean. The best thing, the best vitamin for being a Christian is to just be one. I'm slow, people. Some of you still don't get it. Some of you are like nudging, like, what, what does he mean? Tell me after. Come to me afterwards, I'll explain it. I'll write it out and spell it out for you. <laughs> okay, there's more of you who don't get it. I get it, all right. But the point of what God was saying, and, and it was funny how God was bringing all this stuff together, was be the 
people you are called to be. But what is that? Is that characterized by the church you go to? Is it characterized by the denomination you belong to? Is it characterized by the family you grew up in? Is it characterized by the area you live in? What does it mean? And one of the things that God was really impressing on my heart with Isaiah 55 was this overarching theme of what he's doing with the people of Israel. If you missed the first two sermons, one of the things that we talked about was that Isaiah is coming to his people sort of short of basically the extinction of the, of the Israelites. Historians have basically said that around this time there's probably about 10 to 15,000 remaining. Think about that. You used to have this glorious empire for which you reveled in how much people loved you, saw you, and appreciated you, and now all of a sudden you're reduced to basically ground beef outside of your enemy's uh, camp because you could be dead at any moment. You're captive to the biggest, baddest army around. You're refugees. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. And Isaiah 55 is coming as part of this, this God-ordained message saying, don't worry, you guys went your own way and this is the result of what happened. I've got your back. I've got your back, but here's how I've got your back, and here's how I'm going to bring you back. And so Isaiah 55, as we've heard it read, starts off with this idea of saying, will you come back? Will you come back to me? Because the first time, what happened was you left me, and now I want you to come back. Will you come back? I'm willing to take you back. I'm going to give you everything you need and want. I'm going to do it for free. You guys forgot about the fact that everything that really means anything in life is found in me. And you left that, but I'm willing to give that back to you. Will you come? We talked about that in the first sermon. Are we willing to trust and surrender to God? Are we willing to trust and surrender our plans? Regardless of what it is you think you're doing, whether you think it's better or not, God is coming to you and saying, I will always be giving you this offer. Will you trust that my way is better than yours? And assuming that you come in that front door, assuming that you take one step and say, okay, God, I have no idea what your plans look like, but I'm in. I don't know. I'm still a little scared, but I'm going to take that first step. And many of you did. Many of you are still sitting there and not worrying about that. And that's cool. Guess what? God is still saying, will you come? Will you come? Because what Kevin shared last week was that this is the time where God can be found. Because when he's found, what he's saying is, will you come? Will you seek me? For those of us who are sitting there thinking, yeah, okay, my way is leading me down paths where I have no idea what, where I'm going. God's saying, well, come closer. Let's go deeper. Will you come in? Will you come in? Will you seek me in all of the things that you do? Will you turn from the ways? Yes, your ways may have seemed right at the time. But guess what? There's a lot of relearning to do. Are you willing to come? Are you willing to turn from that? Will you, are you willing to get deeper? And that's where we find our passage this morning. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, if you have your Bibles, follow along. He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. For those of you who know that song. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. If you have a chance of reading Isaiah chapter 55, or for that matter, if you have a chance of getting familiar with the Old Testament, there's one ever glaring characteristic of God. God is the God who speaks. Isaiah 55 is all about language of God speaking and us listening. We talked in the first sermon about this idea of Shema. Shema is the, the Hebrew word for listen, but the word listen also has within it this other side of obeying. We are to be people of Shema. We are pe to be people who listen to God. You see, the cool thing about the Israelites was that everywhere they went, everywhere they were uh, established as people of God, they were people who could hear God but not see him. All the other gods around them were gods that they could see but not hear. That's a huge and important thing because to be a Christian, I believe, to be the people of God is to be a people who listen. I'm going to say that because some of you weren't listening. To be a pe the people of God, to be characterized as the people of God, isn't to be characterized by your denomination, your church name, your area, your family, but to be listening. That's what Isaiah 55 is coming out as. And not just people who listen, but people who obey. Shema is not just a, oh, it goes in here, I'll store it, I'll consider it, and if I choose to, I'll do it. Mm -mm -mm. To be a people of Shema, to be a people of Israel, to be the people of God, or to be a people who listen, who trust God and say, okay, I'll, I'll do what would you have me do? If you're familiar with Isaiah, one of my favorite stories of Isaiah is when God calls Isaiah. In the first few chapters of, of, of Isaiah, he, he talks about this. He's sitting in church, harmlessly like you and I are. And all of a sudden, we have no idea, we have no idea what the vehicle is, but he is taken into this place where he sits in the presence of God. And he realizes very quickly Man, God is this holy God, and I'm a sinner. I'm toast. He realizes he's like a moth right next to the flame. He's like, there's no chance of survival here for me. Go read the story. It's actually really cool. And about, at about the peak of his fear, God, he realizes, he's like, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. I can't run. I'm dead. I'm in the presence of God. And God sends one of these creatures who has wings all over the place and comes and he takes a piece of coal 
and he sears his lips, right? You can just hear that meat burning off his lips. And he's like, great, your heart is, is pure now. You could stay here. And see, to the Jewish people, what was really interesting is that the mouth and the ears were a direct connection to the heart. And what God was doing was he was searing his mouth. In essence, he was searing his heart and saying, you know what, your heart is pure. I've called you to this place. I've made you into who I want you to be. And then the cool part of the story is he goes, guess what? I got a bunch of people who will not listen to me. I got a people, bunch of people who will see the things that I'm doing but will not acknowledge me. Who can I send here? Right? Picture this story. Isaiah's the only one there. Who can I send? Hmm. So genius Isaiah says, I'll go. Right? Send me. Send me. And that story is reflected in Isaiah chapter 55, right? He calls his people back and he says, look, I will give you all these things with something that you cannot afford. And I will pay for all of these things. And as I do, now I want you to go. You see, being the people of God is not a passive thing. Being a people of God should not be characterized as a place I go to on a Sunday morning. It cannot be. Being the people of God cannot be characterized by just saying, yeah, okay, you know what, I spend quiet time in my house and, and read the Bible and do whatever. It cannot just be that. Because in the remainder of Isaiah chapter 55, he basically says to his people, will you go? I'm talking. I'm calling. You have a calling. I'm willing to restore that. Will you go? And the crazy thing is, these are the people who are basically encamped outside of their enemy. And they're hearing this, and God's saying, I'm going to send you to people that you would not imagine. Your enemies. So picture that. The people who have absolutely decimated your entire people group. They've made you into refugees. And here, the voice and the message of God comes to you and says, I'm going to send you to those people. The people who did this to you. That's a tough one to obey. That's a really, really hard one to think about. But the question for Israel is, are you going to be the people who are classified as people who listen and obey? Are you going to be the Shema people who I once called out. And then he reminds them of something that we didn't really talk about at all in this, this series. He says in, he says in verse 3, Give ear to me, come, hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. And this is huge for those people because the fact of the matter is, God promised to them through David that I will establish my kingdom and one day someone from your line will come and restore this entire world. This world is not what it should be. This world has run away from what I originally wanted it to be. You and I don't have to be geniuses to recognize that in today's world. This world is not what it should be. And here God is saying to these people who are basically refugees, saying, my promise still stands. And guess what? The word that I have, it doesn't come back void. It doesn't, it's not empty words. They go out. It will go out. It will happen. 
See, for us today who have the entire Bible and we read this and we see the new covenant made by Jesus Christ, we know, we know what this part of the story brings to us. We know that this stuff has brought to us where we are today. We know that this is the stuff that's actually God is bringing to fruition. We know and, and, and hopefully you believe that God is still going to continue bringing this forth. So the idea here is this. What he's saying to his people is, I'm not just sending you out. I'm already there. I'm making this stuff happen. I don't need you to invite me there. I'm already there. Are you willing to share in that work? That's what you people are. You're people who share in my covenant work. I'm bringing this world back. You willing to get involved? I'm going to fix everything. You willing to go stand? We said this a few weeks ago. You're agents of change. The question is, are you willing to stand in those places where change is needed? Are you willing to obey God in those places that are difficult? Are you willing to stand in those places which, for which people who naturally offend you are the actual places where God wants to do something? Because if we're people who listen to God and we're people who obey God, guess what? That's where he's sending us. He's sending us to those difficult places. He's sending us to those places where we frequent every day. Whether you pick up garbage on the street or whether you hang with CEOs or whether you're everyone in between, whether you're a student or whether you're a, a mom at home or a dad at home or whatever it is that you do, guess what? God is calling us in those places to be listening to what he's doing. I have a friend who I was talking about this with and I said, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, stories. And I said, unfortunately for me, I have stories of failure. So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories of failure. I'll tell you one story of failure that I have. And uh, I'm going to tell you the story of victory in, in terms of this that my friend had. Because it, it's way better. So I was trying to experiment with this. I was like, okay, God, you, you want me to... I will be that person. I will experiment. Because you know what? Normally, I'm just like, yeah, let's just read the stuff. Let's figure this stuff out. And a lot of times, it's like, yeah, it's theoretical and everything like that. And I'm like, all right, God, we're going to put this into practice. So I said, lead me to whomever and wherever you want me to go. I will not say a word. I will go. And if you point out to people, whatever, I, I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll start off with prayer and whatnot. I was like, cool. And he led me to a place where I don't normally go, which is Starbucks, right? And I, I don't drink coffee or whatever. I'm not trying to be like a hipster or any of that stuff, but I'm not saying that you have to be a hipster to go to Starbucks, but that's where you'll find them. But <laughs> the hipsters aren't laughing right now, so sorry. So I was there and I was like pretending to drink a cup of coffee because that's what they do. And I was like, all right. And I was sitting there, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Like, and I sat there for like a good half an hour and there was this dude who walked in and he just looked like, I'm not necessarily great at picking up sort of people's facial and emotional sort of language and signals and stuff like that. But I looked at this guy, and there's just something about this guy. It was just like, man, he's not having a good day. Like, he, he was just like, everything was slumpy and down and stuff like that. Couldn't have been super tired. It was like middle of the afternoon. And I, I'm not joking about this, and I, like, I'm not trying to freak anybody out about this or whatever, but I, I distinctly felt this impression. Jim, go talk to that man. He needs prayer.
God, I'm pretending to drink my coffee here. <laughs> Come on. And I'm not joking. Like this, he got on the phone and his voice even sounded down. I, I, again, like I'm just sharing my honest heart here. And I was like, yeah, God, I just can't do it. And he walked out. And I was like, oh, man, God, I'm so sorry. I, you know, next, next one, right? Next one. And I realized, man, this is stinking hard. And it's not like God was like, oh, man, you stink because you didn't do my thing or whatever. It wasn't that. It was, it was to, to see, like, are you willing to obey this stuff? And, and people, I'm telling you this right now. As a people of God, there are people whom we will interact with at the grocery store, at school, at your workplace, for whom you never think about who maybe God brings your way. So I was talking to my friend about this, and he was telling me, he goes, you know, he works in a factory, and he said, you know, I see a lot of people who have really bad knees and back because they lift a lot of stuff. And he says, one day God was like saying, you know, are you willing to pray for these people who are hurting? And he's like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I will because it's difficult. And so he's telling me this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I had this similar situation at Starbucks and blah, blah, blah. And he says, but this one time, God distinctly led me to this place where I was just like, he was in his workplace, and there was, he said, you know what, go pray for this guy, you know, ask him if he's got pain or something like that, because they work in a factory who doesn't have pain in that factory. So he went around, and he was like, hey, any of you guys got pain? And the guy's like, yeah, I got pain. So he started praying for his coworkers. Well, he ended up praying for everybody, because they all have pain. But this one guy, he had like a, a herniated disc or anything like that. And he went up to him and he says, hey, can I pray for you? Uh, do, you have a knee, do you have knee pain or something like that, whatever. He goes, no, I have a herniated disc. Can I pray for you? And he started praying for him. And he says, did God heal you? And he says, nope, still there. So he came back the next day and he prayed. And he's like, I'm going to pray for this herniated disc. Did God heal you? Nope, still got the herniated disc. Went away. And this happened day after day and day out, day in, day out. And this guy was like, God, what am I doing here? Like, nothing's happening. And one day, they had this conversation that was fairly lengthy. At which point he says, you know what? Not that I'm like, don't believe that God doesn't heal. But tell me more about this God that you're trying to ask for my healing for. And he led that man to the Lord. He still has a herniated disc, but he led that man to the Lord. My ways are not your ways. They're higher than yours. Question is, will you go? One last story, and I, it just came to me, and uh, it happens to be with my neighbor. His daughter... He, he's Jamaican, and uh, he, so he and I talk about Jamaica all the time. And uh, his daughter was in a gymnastics accident, a really bad one. She had, she'd slipped off of one of the bars. Like, I'm not going to pretend what gymnastics is. I don't do it. So she slipped off the bars and fell and hit her spine and basically was taken to the, the hospital, and they basically said she might not walk again. I think she was like 12 or something like that. So he rushes home, and I, I sort of catch him outside, and I'm like, hey, you, you all right? He goes, no, no, Sophie just got into an accident, and uh, I don't know if she'll walk again or blah, blah, blah. 
And I, I, I was going to walk away, and I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to pray for him in the quietness. And I said to him, can I pray for Sophie? He, and, you know, in a rush, he was like, yeah, 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 go for it, go for it. And then he went off into his, and I went home, and I was like, God, I, I don't know what else to ask. I'm like, could you heal her? Would you heal her? I want to stand in place to pray for Sophie. Would you, would you heal her? I said, I, I, I'm not going to ask right now if it's your will or not. I'm coming to you and I'm saying, God, would you do this? And a few months later, like I, I, I talked to him here and there and I found out how she was doing. And a few months later, I saw her walking out the car. And he said to me, these were his words. He says, Jim, when I went to the specialist, they have no clue how she's walking so quickly. I'm not saying that I'm anyone special. Like, I failed a lot. But if I read Isaiah 55 very carefully, what God's trying to do with his people, he's trying to do with us. That's the calling. He's calling you and I, and when we've come close, when we've come and said, yeah, okay, God, I, I want to give your way a shot, he's like, cool, come in. But he doesn't, wanna, doesn't want you to stay there. We're not meant to be people who just preserve the goodness of God here. His next step is to say, will you go out? And it's so evident in this, and we're going to wrap up with this. He says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The two Jewish words there, one of them we're very familiar with, the other one you probably never heard of. We know peace, the word shalom, and that idea isn't just avoiding conflict, it's the idea that God has made us whole, that in God, everything that we ever want to be will be found only and in God. And the Davidic covenant that what he wants to do with this world, everything that he wants of this world is only going to be found in him. And the idea is that when we've come into relationship with him, when we've said, yes, God, I want to come into this, I want to respond to your invite, we're saying, God, make me whole in you. I'm forsaking my plans no matter how good I think they are. I'm coming to you and saying, God, you do your thing. And then he draws us deeper and he says, will you seek me in all these other things? Will you come after me? And when you do, you're going to find depth that you never, ever understood. And now guess what? I'm not leaving you there. I'm sending you out. Will you go? Because I'm at work out there bringing peace and restoration to the world. Will you share in that? Will you be people of Shema who will say, okay, God, I will go to my school and I will listen for who you want me to encourage. I will go to my workplace, no matter how toxic or how good or bad it may be, and say, God, I want to hear who is it that you want me to pray for or what is it that you want me to do. I will walk into my grocery store and, and I won't just buy groceries. I will pray and ask, God, who is it that you could bring my way who I could be a blessing for. I'll walk my streets no matter how much my neighbors may annoy me or not annoy me, whatever the case may be, and I'll say, who is it that I could pray for? Where is it that you're working that I may share in? That's what the people of God ought to be characterized by, the people of Shema. Why? Because I've experienced this wholeness that I want to share with the world. You've given me this wholeness for which you want to give to the world. That's what Shema is. You'll go out in peace. And this word joy is the word simcha, 
which basically means a communal happiness. I look out here and I see a whole lot of simcha. We delight in God. We sing about God. Hopefully we're singing to God and we're like, yeah, these words resonate with our heart. And this not just makes us happy, it, it sort of resonates with that wholeness. Yes, life may not be perfect, but we know God's got this. And as that resonates, that produces this idea of joy, this corporate joy. And God's like, you're going to be let out in that. That's not just for here. Can you imagine what happens when we walk out there as people of wholeness and simcha? Can you imagine what happens when we go to the places where we think our way is right and God's words start to say, my ways aren't your ways. I'm not going to reach people the same way you think I'm going to reach people. But if you're willing to go stand there, maybe you'll see what I do. Maybe you'll see wholeness. Maybe you'll even translate some of this simcha to them. Will you go? And here's the crazy thing. He ends off with saying this. I'm doing this for my name. I'm doing this because it's for the Lord's renown. God's not saying, I'm doing this so you will have a good experience. God's not saying, I'm doing this because I love you so much and that's it. He's like, at the end of the day, this is all about what I have planned for this world and all I have planned for you. You may be sitting here thinking, who am I, man? I, I'm, just, I'm only just a new Christian. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I've been a Christian for such a long time. But man, I, I'm busy with life. I got a whole bunch of different things. The question is, are we willing to pay attention to the fact that it's about God and not about us? That it's not just about God, but it's God saying, yeah, okay, I'm doing work. Will you share in that? Will you come there and do that? There is a call in your life. It's not just to be faithful as a worshiping community. It isn't just to be present where other followers and Jesus lovers are present. It's to be the presence that God exhibits in your life and to go out and exhibit that presence and to share in what God is already doing. Question is, will you go? Will you go? That's the practical part. There's no three-step of figure this stuff out, figure that stuff out. Question is, you already have places that God has sent you. Will you go? We already asked the question, will you come? Will you come into the presence of God? We asked the question, will you go deeper with God? And now the question is, will you go? Will you go there and stand there and be the people who God has called you to be, the people who listen, the people who obey, who go, who go, go in peace, go in joy. Why? It's because of God's name, because of God. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we bless you and we acknowledge that uh, you're good to us and We acknowledge that at times it's very difficult to be caught up in our surroundings and caught up in the run of the mill everyday types of things. And God, I pray that if anything today, that you would remind us of what our identity is meant to be. God, if maybe this world has deafened us or dampened our hearing and our perception of you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you start digging all that stuff out. And God, that may we hear your voice. May we hear you simply to say come and go deeper and then to go. I pray, God, that, that this year would be characterized by a year of change, however small change, not just only in us, but, God, in the places that we frequent, that all the things that we talk about, that you're at work and those things in, in our world right now wouldn't just be theoretical or things that we talk about, but, God, that we would start to witness as we take that step of obedience. God, there's nothing I could say, there's nothing that we could say to motivate anybody. It has to be your spirit. It can't be by our words. It cannot be by our might. But God, we ask for your spirit to move and to break away those walls that have built around us to be able to actually do what it is that you're calling us to do. God, we don't want to just assemble around a place once a week. We want to be people who recognize your presence out there in the everyday, out there in the world today. Father, may we be people who go, who hear you, and who act. And God, I pray that if there are times when we fail, I pray against all those voices that would want to come in and say, see, you, you stink at that. Why would you try? God, I pray that you would replace that with encouragement. God, I pray that right now you would infuse people with strength. You would give them courage that comes from heaven that they may go and step, that they may take that one step forward into those places that they never imagined you would already be there. And God, I pray that they would understand what it is you're doing. Father, they may be listening and that they may share in the work that you're already doing. God, just like your people Israel, I pray that even though it may be a long process, that God, your patience may be so, uh, oh, we may be so aware of your patience, God. And God, just like that song, that good, good father, I pray, God, that you, you'd be alongside of us in a way, encouraging us, moving us towards this. And Father, I pray that as all this stuff happens, may it be for your glory and your glory only. Not for our name, not for this church's name, not even for the name of this community, but God, may it just be for your name. And so as we continue to worship God, I pray that your spirit would continue to do this, his work. And that you would infuse us with power to go. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.